All right, what we're seeing in Philippians chapter 2 is this cycle, right? It starts with an if-then proposition in verses 1 through 4. If you can see everything that God's done in your life, if you see the love of God, the fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, if you can see what God has done in your life, then you're accountable, right? You're beholden to live out verses 3 through 4. We need to be like-minded. We need to keep unity. Uh, Verse 3, our life isn't about ourselves. We need to esteem one another better than ourselves. Like we ought to, in our heart of hearts, be able to turn to the person closest to us and say, you're better than me. I mean, we ought to be able to do that. Some of us can't, maybe because you're sitting all by yourself. Find someone. You're better than me, right? We ought to esteem, we ought to count one another better than ourselves. And then we don't look on our own things, verse 4. But every man also on the things of others. Are the people that God's placed in my life, are they growing? Are they moving forward in their faith? I mean, that's why God has me in your life. That's why God has you in the life of people. So that you can be a part of helping them move forward in faith. Ephesians 4 says you're fitly joined to the body for that reason. So that you can help build them up in their faith. In verse 5, we see that this is the mind of Christ. We need the mind of Christ. In verses 6 through 8, you see it on display. He counts himself of no reputation. He, he humbles himself. He takes upon himself the form of a servant. And then he takes the sin and the rebellion and the wickedness that's in each of our hearts. He takes that upon himself. He literally has reckoned that sin that separates us from God. At the cross of Calvary, God pours out his wrath on your sin and mine that we might be made the righteousness of God through Christ's finished work at Calvary. How awesome is that? He did it for joy. He did it, he gave his life to buy yours and mine. That's the mind of Christ. And so God's response, we saw that in verses nine through 11. Wherefore, right? Verse nine, God hath also highly exalted him. Now Jesus has the name. Jesus is the name that's above every name. It's at the name of Jesus that every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Man, praise God for that. Now that's got to be our mind. That's got to work itself out of our life. And this is why in verses 12 and 13, we see that we're to work out the salvation that God has given us. That's not just for us to hide in our life, to hide in a box and just go through the motions of being a Christian. No, we gotta work out our salvation with trembling and fear. And the good news in verse 13 is God works it out in us. God sets our want to to Christ's desire, Christ's word over our life. It's God that works in you both to will and to do according, right, to both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God working in us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're saved, then your want to starts to change. The desires of your heart begin to change. Now you don't want to waste your life just living it on yourself. Now the desire of your heart is to live Christ if you're saved. Your want to is set to living Christ. And then God not only works in you both to will but to do. God empowers you. You don't get to say, I can't live the life that God's calling me to because, and then you list your opinions, your circumstances, or your bad time. None of that works because God works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so then in verses 14 through 16, you got to get to doing it. And what do you do? Well, you do all things without murmuring and, and murmurings and disputings. 
man, I could serve God if MBT wasn't such a, heart, wasn't such a hot mess. Well, welcome to the club. You're the reason it's a hot mess. But praise the Lord, it pleases God to use weak and foolish people to bring great glory to his name. And so just jump in and let's move forward in faith together. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Why? Because you don't want to waste your life. You want to be the blameless, harmless children of God without rebuke. Nobody ought to be able to look at you and say a life in Christ doesn't work. Right? We're in a lost and dark world. People don't have the light of God naturally shining in their life. And so it's our job to hold forth the word of God, the word of life, so that our life isn't wasted. Paul's whole point is, is you're my disciples, and I don't want to get to the judgment seat of Christ and find out that I've wasted my time, that I've run in vain or labored in vain. So do all things without murmuring and disputings. Be a Christian. Live the life that Christ has called you to. Hold forth the word of life. Don't waste your life. Follow Christ's example and start laying down your life, investing it in the lives of others. And then we close last time looking at Paul's example, and so I want to pick it up there. Here's Paul showing this pattern in his own life. He says in verse 17, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy joy and rejoice with me. Paul could rejoice in his personal sacrifice. If, if, If serving If serving God, investing my life, the word of God into your life, if that takes me out, if that means the sacrifice of my life, well, then I'm rejoicing. Now think about that incredible place that Paul's at. His life just exists to be laid down in service to the Lord Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? Before, who was Paul? Paul in his flesh, in terms of Paul, who he was after the flesh. He hated God, right? He hated the Lord Jesus Christ. He hated God's people. He had nothing but animosity toward God's people. And then Jesus met him on the way. He was on his way to destroying God's people. Jesus met him in that way and, and, and just called him out. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, who are you, Lord? Well, I'm Jesus. And this is one of those Homer Simpson moments for Paul. You know, he's like, oh! The the one guy that he was trying to shut down, he finally comes to the place where he recognizes him as King of kings and Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it changed everything. See, before Christ, Paul was a persecutor. Now in Christ, Paul's God's servant, and he's self-sacrificing for God's people. He's laying his life down, and he counts it joy to do it. So you want to get this down. It's the gospel that changes who you are. The gospel changes you. That's your next blank. And that's what this world needs today. We live, uh, it's all over the world now, but especially here in the States, we're fighting a cultural battle. The world is very divided. And what the world needs today is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear me very carefully. Hear me very clearly. Hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. The sentiment, the concept of black lives mattering, that is good, okay? Black lives do matter. Uh, We are very much pro-life, amen? But you need to know that the organization, Black Lives Matter, represented by black lives, they express themselves, they declare themselves, and if you want to know what Black Lives Matter, the organization is all about, go to blacklivesmatter.com. 
and there you will find a Marxist group that is not actually interested in the lives of black people. Their stated goal is to shut down organizations like this. They are anti-church, they are anti-Christ, they are not, they're, they're, they're not pro-life, they're pro-choice. In other words, this is a Marxist communist organization that wants to overthrow us as a nation. They've got an objective, they, want a lo- they partner with groups like Antifa, Antifa is, is a Marxist communist organization, and they think they have the answer that the world needs today. It's communism, Marxism. They're anti-Christ, they're against the gospel of Jesus Christ, making a difference in the lives of people. They want Karl Marx to make a difference in the lives of people, and the way that they want to accomplish that is through mayhem, death, and destruction. Their answer, their hope for man is burning it all down, right? Mayhem, death, and destruction, they, and they unabashedly make that claim. Now, as I read my Bible, who is in the business of killing, stealing, and destroying? Who is in that business? See, Christ, not communism, is the answer. Christ has come to give us life, and life more abundantly. That's who Jesus is, and that's who we have. That's why we can lay it all down in service to other people. It isn't destroy you so that I can get what is yours. It's how can I lay my life down, investing in you, investing the love, the word, the life of Christ in your life. How do I get to be a part of that? This is why God has made us so rich as a local church. As you look around this room today, and I just encourage you to do that, you're not out of order. You can just kind of look around. Who are we? We're red, brown, yellow, black, and white. And yes, we're all precious in God's sight. But that's not even how we view ourselves, do we? If you've been coming for any length of time, you're not looking at red, brown, yellow, black, and white. What you're looking at are your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how you come to understand the people who assemble in this place. Uh, We don't waste our time, right? We don't waste our time going to each other. Hello, my Filipino brother my Vietnamese sister. Ain't nobody got time for that. Hello, my Kenyan sister. We don't do that, do we? We, don't, we know no man after the flesh, because that's what our Bible tells us. We know no man after the flesh. What we are, the sons and daughters of God assembled in this place for his glory. Okay, what God has given us, that unity in the spirit, these communist organizations, they don't understand that. So we don't hate them. Uh, As a matter of fact, they're in the business of infiltrating our schools and our government. They're in the business of trying to infiltrate to overthrow. Um, Man, would to God that he would give us the opportunity to find some communists and some Marxists in America to love them and to overthrow their faith in Karl Marx and put it in the person of Jesus Christ because the gospel alone is what this nation needs. If men could fix it, through our activism and our rule setting and our law changing, well, we would have solved this problem a long time ago. Uh, The church needs to wake up. The church needs to grow up. And we need to go love and reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. People, I've heard pastors say, the gospel isn't enough. Don't tell me the gospel is the answer. Well, then you don't know the gospel. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. I wonder if we've got saved pastors. Uh, do you, have, 
Have you met Jesus Christ? Have you seen the change that he's produced in your life? The, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God and the salvation. It's what changes you. It's what buys you out of your life in this world and places you in the family of God. Whenever you get saved, when you believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ, you become a new creature. Your old life passes away. Behold, all things are become new. You're taken out. You, don't you know? Yes, this room is full of people who are red, brown, yellow, black, and white. But you're more my family than many of my flesh and blood family members are. I'm not going to spend eternity with some of these people, but I'm going to spend eternity with you. We have more in common culturally because our culture is becoming biblical culture. We are the ones who think the same, who roll the same, who act the same, who live the same. This is the body. This is the family of Christ. And what is that? What, what has been the byproduct of that Ra racial reconciliation? That's been the byproduct of that. Unity. That's been the byproduct of that. And this is what Kansas City desperately needs. This is what our nation desperately needs. Church, at what point do we wake up and get full of faith that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God into salvation? The gospel doesn't make a difference in the lives of people because it only works for those that believe. And that's gotta start at the church. Do you believe in the power of the gospel? Because if you do, then you're gonna make sure people get the gospel because that's what will bring not just lasting, everlasting change in the lives of people. Is this making sense to everybody? Yes. Uh, we were up late last night listening to bombs go off in the city, happy fourth. Pretty patriotic. This is a patriotic town, man. Nobody wanted to go to bed. I mean, just blowing off fireworks all night, man. America, okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, don't go to sleep, all right? Wake up. So when I get Christ, that changes everything, and that's either real or it's not. We're either, we're either, we're either in the gospel or we're playing at it, okay? Uh, that's for me and my house. We're serving the Lord. And once you've got the Lord in your life, now you can lay it all down in joy. This is, this is what we're seeing in the life of the Apostle Paul. Here, we see that the joy he experiences is experienced in a life of sacrifice, Sacrifice is your next blank. See, when I come to the place where I can lay down my lights, my, my lights, my rights, my wants, my desires, my life in service to others, I can know the joy of Christ. See, God didn't call you to serve him an hour a week on Sunday. No, you're to give. You're to, God's calling you. You have the privilege. Brothers and sisters, listen. God is calling you to lay down the entirety of your life into his service. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 in your notes. Romans 12, verse 1. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice. Man, lay it all down. Burn it all up for his cause and his glory. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So your life, you gotta recognize, and it's not your life, it's his life. Your time, it's not your time, it's his time. Your resources, this is where it gets touchy, right? Your stuff, your bank account, uh, the things that you own, they're not yours. You, you are a manager over those things for God's glory. They're his resources. Your talent, your winning smile, 
your rugged good looks or your exquisite beauty, whatever that is, okay? That's not yours. That's all God's, and you're just a steward of those things for his glory. You're to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, unto God, and that's just reasonable. In other words, you're to be on call all the time. Why wouldn't you? Whenever you recognize that the creator laid down his life, gave everything in order to have you in his, well then why wouldn't you return that favor? (laughs) Why wouldn't you respond in kind? It's all for him. But listen, being a 24-7 Christian, that's key to everything. That's key to every opportunity. That ought to be key in every relationship. But it's all too rare. Very few Christians are actually 24-7 Christians laying their lives down for the glory of God, investing their lives in the people of God for God's glory. It's just very rare. Why? Look at verse 2. The Bible says, and be not conformed to this world. It's rare because we love the world and the things of the world more than we love God and the things of God. The Bible says, take up your cross and follow me, but the world says, you deserve a comfortable and convenient lifestyle, and oh, by the way, somebody else should pay for it. That's what the world says. So how do, you, how do you and I, how do we break free from that mentality, from the pack of mediocrity? How do we get to the place where we're not conformed to this world? How do we get to the place where we're in the center of God's will? Well, we got to learn something very key. Dr. Strange in the Marvel movie, he had to learn this. Notice how she got all breathy when she said it. What's the most important lesson of all that I have to learn? It's not about you. (laughs) Right? It's not about you. Hello, dummy. It's not about you. That is the most important lesson to learn of all. Even Dr. Strange had to get that down. Okay? So if if, if it's not about me, what is it about? It's about our Creator. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, then yeah, all of us know it. All of us get that. All of us mentally give assent to that, but so few actually live that out in their lives. Paul could say, following the will of God for my life, and if it leads to me dying in my service, to the Lord and serving you, well, then I rejoice. If I die in my service to the Lord and you, big whoop. I joy and rejoice with you all. Okay, so now think about that. There are so many people who call themselves Christians. Where's the joy? There's so many people who call themselves Christians and they go through life just miserable. They just go through life just going through the motions. Why is that? Why don't we have joy? Because our expectation, right, what we want in life is on the things of this world. Well, whenever I lose 10 pounds and I can fit into that hot dress, then I'll be happy. When I have what I want, that sweet ride, that, that, that car, that, that car that they came out, they built that for me, and whenever I get that, mm, then I'll be happy. Or I get that gaming rig that I always want. The reason I'm not winning online as much is because my... My, my gaming rig is just sad. I got a loser, I got a loser gaming rig. I, I, I need the latest and greatest. 
uh, whenever, whenever she finally wakes up and realizes I'm the bomb, well, then I'll be happy. Get the right girlfriend. Then I'll be happy. <sighs> That's the mentality of our day. We pursue happiness and could care less about experiencing joy. Happiness comes out of you getting what you want, the way you want it, when you want it, how you want it. Your terms become your reality. Then you're happy. See, happiness is found in the moment. That's your next blank. Happiness is found. Here's your hack for happiness. Happiness is found in what happened, and that's why it's fleeting. That's why happiness is so fleeting. It's not not solid. It's transitory. It's gone the moment a negative turn in life comes to you. I was happy when things fell out well for me, but now this girl that I finally got to notice me when, my, when I bought that sweet ride, you know, she's noticing me now, and, and now we're getting together, but, but then she found out I'm a basement-dwelling, right, loser, spending all my time playing video games, so she dumped my sad tale. Okay, now I'm not happy, I'm what? Your girlfriend just dumped you because you're living in your mom's basement playing video games. What are you now? You're not happy, you are, Pastor Mata says, a loser. You're sad. You're sad. You're not happy, you're sad. (laughs) I'm sorry if you're a basement dwelling video game player. You know, some people make big money doing that. I don't understand it, but you know, apparently it's a living for some people. Whatever. Okay. Happiness is found in happenings. Joy is found in a person. Joy is eternal. According to Galatians 5, verse 22, joy is the fruit of the Spirit. If the Spirit's dwelling in your life, then if the fruit of the Spirit is manifest in your life, you're going to know joy because it's centered around the Lord himself. Joy remains come what may. Check me out. Study joy in your Bible. Joy is eternal. And, oh, God, give us the wisdom to pursue that. Whenever you look at what Paul is saying here in chapter 2, okay, in verses 1 through 18, everything that we've seen so far, think about what he's saying, Uh, especially when you look at verse 14. We're to do all things without what? Murmurings and disputings. And so the message of Philippians chapter 2 is your petty squabbling tears the heart out of your testimony before this lost world. You gotta keep Calvary in mind. Think about Christ's service and sacrifice for the joy that was set before him, right? He, took, he takes upon himself the form of a servant. He endures the cross. He despises the shame. He humbles himself, becomes obedient even to death. Why? So that you can be redeemed. He, think about Christ's service and sacrifice, how he left heaven, Right, He pursued a path from heaven to the cross of shame and then back to the throne of power at God's right hand. Think about that. Think about him who, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. Look at your one life. Look at today, how you're living your life in light of his sacrifice, in light of his cross. Now, how can there be any room for murmurings and disputings as you serve the Lord? So we got to get our focus right, and that's what Paul is saying. You know, I may die for how I serve you in Christ. That could happen. They're talking about putting me to death, and that thought only makes me rejoice, not because I'm suicidal, but because I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ. If they want to take my life for obeying the king, I joy and I rejoice. You do too. 
because God used me in your life to build you up in your faith. For the same cause, verse 18, also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Why? Well, the church knows absent from the body is present with the Lord. Paul knew that nothing he did on earth was in vain. He knew that his life of service was working a major difference for eternity. It was worth it. You say, well, that's Paul, though. I mean, Paul, the Apostle Paul, the mighty and a gifted apostle, of course he could serve. He could be an all-out Christian. He could be a living sacrifice. Of course Paul could find joy. Of course Paul could keep his life focused correctly in the face of suffering, in the face of adversity, because he was Paul. No way my life could be like that. And Paul knew that was going to be your excuse, so he throws Timothy in your face. Look at verse 19. Here's Timothy. He's a faithful minister. You see how the pattern just keeps repeating? Verse 19, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Why? Verse 20 says, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. And then he compares Timothy with everyone else. For all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Just uh, a few things before we um, dive in deep. I want you to see the marks of a minister here in this passage. Let's get a few of these points fixed in our mind. In verse 19, look at verse 19. Notice that Paul is a discipler. He wants to know that his disciples are moving forward in faith. That's very important. If you're a good discipler, you're not just showing up for meetings, weekly meetings. You want to see your disciple progressing in their faith. And so he's sending Timothy because Timothy's going to be faithful to communicate where these disciples are really at. In verse 20, we see that faithful ministers are like-minded. They're not ministering their own agenda, right? Paul discipled Timothy, and so now Timothy's in on the mission. Why? Because I mean, Genesis 1 tells you everything reproduces after its kind. If you're a faithful disciple or if you're a faithful minister, then those that you disciple will be the same. And then look at verse 20. Notice his natural care. Paul says, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Timothy naturally laid down his life caring for people. Why? Because verse 5, he had the mind of Christ. Christ's mind was his mind. And so he's not self-serving. Look at verses 21 and 22 again. He's not seeking his own. Uh, the proof is in the pudding. You know that Timothy lays down his life in ministry with me. As a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. So he's a proven disciple. He's a proven leader. That's why Paul could send him. By the way, that's our missions model here at MBT. We don't send people in missions because they just want to, you know, it's a romantic idea. They're going to go be the missionary and, and uh, do the hard thing in a, in a hard place. No, if you're not fruitful here, if you're not winning souls, making disciples, serving with us in the gospel here at 40th and Walnut, well, then why would we send you to go be dysfunctional somewhere else? We send proven leaders, proven ministers. And so Paul could send Timothy. All right, let's just dive deep in a couple of areas. Paul could send Timothy because Timothy was someone who would naturally care 
for the state of the church. Uh, Timothy wouldn't come to Philippi to be served, but to lay his life down in service. So get this down in your notes. A mature minister's commitment looks like this. I'm all about Christ and others first. My needs, my agenda comes last. Me, that's last. Timothy had a natural way of caring for people. His mind, Timothy's nature, was such that care for others wasn't an option. It doesn't matter that I get what I want. It matters to me that God uses me in your life to make sure that you get what God wants. Do you see the difference? Is everybody awake? Oh, okay. This is critical. Now, notice what Paul's saying in verses 20 and 21. Even then, this was a problem, and it's certainly a problem today. Then, both then and now, right? Not then, not today, do you find many men. You don't find many women. You don't find many who are like Timothy. Why is that? Verse 21 tells you why. For all, not some, all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. To break out of seeking your own and getting the mentality, the mindset that I'm in this life to seek that which is Jesus Christ, that's the game changer. And so few ever do. So few ever come to that place. The natural tendency is verse 21, all seek their own. Tim's and what's the feminine of Tim? Timina? Tim's and Timina's are very rare. Tim's and Tammy's, you just, they're hard to find. Why? Because today, people seek what's best for them. They seek their own. Even when we get in the business of serving the Lord, it's with the idea of how serving the Lord can benefit me. I'll be a teacher, and then I'll be a big shot. Uh, remember the lesson that Dr. Strange had to learn. What was it? Let the whole church say, it's not about you. It's like the lips. You, it's not about you. Oh, Sam would just put me in charge of something. Then we'll see what's what. Then I, I get my chance to rule the roost. Watch out. It's not about you. And so when you do get your shot, we begin to hear it, right? My ministry has to be your first priority. Hello, it's not about you. If you're going to serve with me in ministry, you can't, you can't be in the choir. Okay, if you've got, you got to quit the choir to serve in ministry, what's that about? Is Eric in this service? Eric's not in this service. Lori is. Okay. People have to quit the choir to serve God in ministry? That, that's messed up. Amen? That's messed up, she says. Yeah. Take it from Lori. It's messed up. My ministry's got to be your first priority. Can, can I just tell you something? The ministry has to be all of our first priority. Why? Because Jesus is our first priority. But when it's about you and you looking good and you being a big shot, it's when it's about you being top dog, listen to the rebuke from Isaiah 56, verse 11. The Bible says, yay, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. Have you ever noticed that about your dog? They can be completely fed, but the moment you try to eat your chicken sandwich, your dog's right there. Are you going to be a pig and eat all that? Look at me. Look at my puppy dog eyes. Don't you know? I mean, he's full. He's busting at the seams, but he's a greedy dog. He can never have enough. 
And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look which way? Their own way, everyone for his gain from his quarter. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. And then the list goes on into extreme sin. Uh, Just read the rest of it. See, when it's all about me, your mindset is, is, well, I attended a ministry meeting, so I'm in the ministry, I'm involved. I came to an MBT service July 4th weekend. I could have gone to the lake like everybody else, but I came to church. You know, I'm involved in the ministry. What? Okay, so that's the mentality, and Jesus is back there in Revelation chapter 3, heaving his holy guts out. Who are you caring for in this life? Whose state are you caring for? Who are you discipling? Who are you teaching to follow Christ? No one? Is the answer no one? You say, whoa, pastor, you're being a little rough here. Well, get on the path to growth. Be discipled. You can't disciple anybody if you've not, if you've not first been a disciple. Uh, learn the Word of God so you can invest the Word of God in the lives of people. That's why God has you here. You can be a part of changing lives through an investment of your life through the Word of God into the lives of people. Who are you discipling? Who are you teaching? Okay, you say, you say well, I, I'm not really a gifted teacher. That's not really... Okay, fine. I'll meet you right where you're at. Okay, I'll meet you right where you're at. How are you helping the rest of us do that? How are you... If you're not investing the Word of God in the souls of men, because you don't think you can right now, I challenge that. You can. You just got to get equipped. Okay? There's nobody dumber or more ignorant than me when I started out. I'm your poster boy. You can do it. Okay? But okay, that's fine. How are you helping the rest of us win souls, make disciples, and train and equip leaders? How are you helping us do that? How are you helping keep the building clean so we can attend on the word? How are you in helping us with the little ones, making sure they're safe so that moms and dads can attend on the the word? How are you making sure that the building is secure so that the people attending are free to attend on the, wor- on the Word. And if the answer there is still nothing, okay, if you're not helping us to win souls and make disciples and train and equip leaders in some way, what are you doing with your life so that it's falling out, falling out to that objective? And if not, then I want to submit to you, you're seeking your own, you're carnal, and your focus right now is on yourself, and God's got more for you. It's not about you. It's about his kingdom. Who are you sacrificing your life for? If it's no one, then it's because you're carnal. Your focus is on yourself. Don't get mad at me. I'm not the one calling you names this morning. Paul is, okay? It's Paul. Get mad at him. And it's Christ through a grieved Holy Spirit that's confirming it to your heart. We suffer from acute Laodiceanism. It's a spirit that says, me first. It is all about me. That's what we suffer from. All seek their own, the Bible says. Once a man said, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Another would-be disciple said, let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home. You see that in Luke chapter 9, verses 59 and 61. See, no one that has a me first attitude is equipped as a true servant of God because we love what's best for me and mine. And so we sell our we, we sell out our lives for so little. 
trying to get a life, trying to get happiness in this world, and we miss out on so much because we misdirect our love. We misdirect our affections. We misdirect it. You say, love? Well, we need to learn what love is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 5, the Bible says that love doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. Right? Love is not me first, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. So here's the proof that Timothy, right, his love, his affection is in the right place. Look at the proof of a mature minister, verse 22. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. So this statement's really a testimony to Paul's faithfulness and his service and his investment in Tim's life. You know, too many times we want to disciple so we can say things like, my disciple, my disciple this or my disciple that. And the translation to that is, hey, check me out, I'm awesome. Look what I'm doing in the life of my disciple. In other words, we want the honor, not the opportunity to just be a servant in the life of that person. And Paul calls that out in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15. The Bible says, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. You've got 10,000 people that want to be a big deal in your life, and very few people want to lay down their life investing in you. So the proof is that Timothy is in a father-son, discipler-disciple relationship. The proof is now that Timothy is someone who can also be counted on because he's laying his life down. Counted is your next blank. See, this ministry here at MBT, we need men and women who have a burden from God in reaching others. We need people who have a heart to serve, who want to be willing. They want to be living sacrifices. We need people who can be counted on because the proof of their faithfulness is in their life. This me first, what's in it for me, that carnal self-focus in life needs to give way to what would God desire to do through me, right? What would God have for me to do? That's what we need. Now think about this. Where'd you wake up this morning? Well, I barely got here. It was a rough night last night. But you're here. God has you here You know how I know God has you here? Because you're here. This is where God has you. So be a part. We need you. Don't you know we need you? Don't you know the ministry needs you? This is where God has you because God wants to use you in this place. We've got more people visiting now in the midst of all this craziness with the COVID pandemic and all. I mean, people are looking for how to have a right relationship with God. And if we don't disciple them, right, if we don't give them a new life, a new mission for life, well, then they'll end up seeking their own and not that which is Christ. They'll end up living their life the best way they can, trying to find happiness for themselves and never have the joy of realizing they've got an opportunity to serve Christ's kingdom. And this is something worth laying your life down for. You guys have heard variations on this. You know, if you don't have something worth dying for, then you don't really have anything worth living for. And there's so many people just living their life, going through the motions. They get up in the morning, they eat some food, they go to a job, they make some money so they can spend it and, and, and go places, and then 
they go to sleep, they got a place to sleep so they can wake up and eat some food and go work a job so they got money so they can buy some stuff. And it's just this cycle of existing when God intends, Christian, for your life to count and matter for eternity. Hello. And when you find yourself in that place, serving in that way, that's a joy. Timothy was somebody who laid down his life in service. Look at his relationships. As a father, right? As a son with a father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Timothy loved Paul. Timothy's ministry ran on that relationship. And that's what made them so dynamic, right? It was a family relationship. And that's what makes us unique. It's our family relationship. It's the love that we have for one another that makes our faith viable to Kansas City, to the lost. We have something that they don't have and they see it. Look at his service. He serves with Paul in the gospel. And that's the question on the floor this morning. God has you here. Are you serving with me in the gospel? Who here is with me? Right? Who here is with their pastor, their discipler, so that your life is being equipped, so that you can naturally care and reach out to others? Who has a vision with us to win souls and train up men and women and prepare them to serve the Lord first here in Kansas City and around the world? Or are you here with your own agenda? See, we need you in Kid Town. We need you in student ministry. We need you with us on the campus. We need you with us reaching international students. We need you with us soul winning. We need you with us caring for the children so that moms and dads can attend on the Word of God. We need you helping us train up the children in the Word. We need you with us cleaning this building. This building doesn't clean itself. There's no magical function where we make, come in here week after week and make mess after mess and somehow there's no, no little elves that come in. Uh, we make the mess, we clean it up. We need you with us in that. We need you with us on the soundboard and on the live stream. We need you with us in security so that you can help us reach and train people. And you may be here this morning saying to yourself, man, I'm not doing any of that. Well, can I offer you some advice before we close? Just repent. Repent. Stop. Stop going through the motions. Stop just living a life looking for happiness and lay it down and find joy. Change your life and your mind and find a place to serve with us. Find your place with us in ministry. Be a part of our family. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to close. We're out of time. So we're going to close in worship and praise. And if God's dealing with your heart and you know that you, you do need to repent of just going through the motions, you need to repent of just living a life looking for happiness. You need to find joy in laying your life down with us in ministry and service and investing the life and the word of God into the lives of people. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, please pray for me. Would you raise your hand and let me just see it and I'll know to pray for you. I don't wanna just go through the motions. I know I need to lay my life down in Christ's service. So there's several. Anybody else? Please pray for me. Okay. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then you've got decisions to make, right? Repentance, just, repentance is not, I know I need to make a change. I know I need to quit doing what I'm doing, and I need to do what God calls me to do. It's the actual doing of it, right? And you need to get accountable. 
And so I want to invite you to counsel with one of our men or women and, and put a stake down this morning. Father, you see 